0: I think that's all the announcements I'll do for right now. We'll give you more announcements after. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Ephesians, chapter number 5. Ephesians, chapter number 5. We've been talking about strengthening uh, the inner man. And, of course, the verse and if The riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. And that's so important that we are strengthened uh, uh, on the inside of the inner man. And uh, Ephesians chapter 5, we'll take our text uh, there in Ephesians chapter 5. And before I uh, get into the message, I, uh, someone had, had given me this and, and I started reading them and I appreciated this. And uh, this has absolutely nothing to do with, with the message, but it's funny. I thought it was funny, so I thought I'd share just a little bit of it with you. And uh, you know, 2020, of course, was a, uh, a crazy year, uh, but this kind of finds some of the humor in 2020. And so one of the dumbest things that I ever bought in 2020 was a planner. Every, I, I, you page through my 2020 planner, it's canceled, canceled, nothing, no, canceled, crossed out. And so uh, well, that's one of the dumbest things that, uh, uh, that I ever bought in, in 2020, all right? And um, also in 2020, 2019, uh, we were always warned to stay away from negative people, you know, because they will make you negative and kind of bring you down and things of that nature. And in 2020, we were warned to stay away from positive people, okay, positive with COVID. And so uh, just a couple of things. Um, maybe I'll share some more of those. I, I thought they were funny. I, I thought it was pretty good. And, uh, hey, you know what? You can't change it, so you might as well laugh about it. Amen. Uh, nothing you can do about going back and undoing or changing any of that. And so, uh, I appreciate that. Ephesians chapter number 5. And I want to talk about being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit. We're talking about strengthening the inner man. And, uh, and it's so important. And uh, Ephesians 5, we're going to get into our passage. But before that, uh, I want us to understand this. That every believer possesses the Holy Spirit. Um, at the day and at the moment that you were saved and that you trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, uh, the Bible is very clear that the Holy Spirit came and He indwells within you. And He will never leave you and never forsake you. And, uh, And the Bible says that we are sealed with that promise. Therefore, the Holy Spirit goes everywhere we go. He is always with us. And as Christians, we can take comfort in that. You are never alone. Uh, God knows where you're at, and uh, God is with you at every moment. But, so every believer possesses the Holy Spirit, he, he's indwelt with the Holy Spirit, but not every believer is possessed of the Holy Spirit. and That would be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Yes, he goes with us, and sometimes, uh, if, if I can put it this way, uh, and if you can kind of visualize it this way, you may drag the Holy Spirit with you kicking and screaming about the places that you're going or the things that you're doing. He, he won't be happy about it, but he's with you forever. Uh, and being controlled by the Spirit is that you're saying, God, I want to do what you want me to do. And there's a big difference between those two things. And so uh, that's kind of what we want to look at. Uh, Just kind of to illustrate strengthening the inner man, uh, here's a historical uh, story for you. Warren and Pam Adams uh, live in Gilchrist, Texas. And in 2005, when Hurricane Rita swept through uh, southeast Texas, it destroyed their home. So when they rebuilt, they reinforced the foundation heavily. 14-foot support beams were installed to lift the house 22 feet above normal sea level in the event of another storm surge. And I, I can't even fathom that. That just seems like a lot. But you know what? I don't live in hurricane areas either. Three years later, less than three years later, Hurricane Ike hit in 2008. Everything within miles of the Adams house was flattened except their house. Uh, There it stood, intact amidst the destruction, a witness to the importance of what has been built uh, underneath that foundation and the strength of that foundation. Uh, And strengthening the inner man or our foundation is so important. So many times, as Christians, we are so tempted by the exterior to make everything look good. Well. I've got to do this and I've got to do this and I've got to be at church and I've got to look my best and I need to serve here and I need to do this. And, and we, we require of ourselves so much that oftentimes uh, the, the inner man or the, the foundation often gets neglected. And we have got to be so careful of that because that foundation and that inner man is what strengthens us to be able to maintain the outward appearance. And if we do not maintain that foundation in our lives, and if we don't strengthen our inner man in our lives, all the things on the exterior can be washed away in a simple storm. And so we need to be aware of that and understand that. The Bible says here uh, in Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 15, we'll take our text, Ephesians 5.15 The Bible says, see then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, where is an excess, but be filled with wine with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you just for your goodness to us Thank you, God, for the opportunity, really the privilege that we have to gather in your house around your word. God, I pray that you would bless the uh, Sunday school class this morning. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every Sunday school class in each department as they're meeting and as they're teaching the word of God and uh, singing songs. God, I pray that your name would be honored and glorified and that you would be lifted up in all of that. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that is said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this passage, uh, I want us to understand the importance of being filled with the Spirit. As it says here, uh, we kind of take our our text uh, in in verse number 18, or the key phrase rather, where it says, Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And by the fact that he's saying, hey, be filled with the Spirit, gives us the idea and and notation that, hey, that's something we need to be attentive to. Uh, And and that idea of filling, we will talk about that, uh, and we'll get into that in our lesson. But even before we get there, uh, we have to see this, that the Spirit, uh, we have to see, I want you to see the Spirit-filled path uh, that this passage explains. Uh, You know, trusting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior is a one-time decision. Uh, I often tell people, hey, you only need to get saved one time. Uh, you are saved for all of eternity after that. And, uh, and sometimes uh, people will get saved you know, twice and, and, and you'll say, well, what's that about? Well, here's, sometimes here's what happens. Let me explain that for you. Sometimes kids will come to church and, and sometimes they grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian home my whole life. And when I was young, I had made a profession of faith. And, uh, and when I got older, uh, I made that profession when I was four or five. I honestly don't remember. And when I got to be about 13, I was at a camp, uh, and all week long they were preaching uh, about being sure that you were saved. Well, at 13, I was struggling. I'm like, I don't remember. I know I got saved, but I don't remember being four or five. I don't remember a lot about it, and it became very vague. So what I did was... Uh, I, the counselor advised me, said, hey, why don't you get saved like it's like it's all new to you right now? And that way, he said, even if you got saved when you were four or five, that's not going to hurt it, that's not going to change anything. But, but to clear up all of your doubts and to make sure in your mind, do it today. And, and so I did at, thir- at, I'm sorry, not 13, I, I started to preach at 13, at 12 years old. And I wrote it down on a, on, a, on a little piece of paper, and I carried that little piece of paper uh, for more than 20 years in my Bible to remind me of the date and remind me of the time. And, and I, I knew, of course, the place, and I know the circumstances, because at 12 years old, uh, you don't forget that much. But when you're four or five, I'll be honest with you, I don't remember much about being four or five years old. It's just very foggy in my mind. Uh, I must have been because I'm here today. Amen? I mean, figure that out. Right, and so uh, you must have been four or five at one point in your life as well. So we know we were four and five, but we didn't. I didn't really remember. So sometimes, especially with church kids, that happens. And uh, and there's uh, hey, I would encourage a church kid the same thing if if they were unsure and if they were having doubts about their salvation. Hey, do it today like it was the first time. Put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and, uh, and make sure above all things that you know for sure where you're going to spend eternity. And, uh, and I'd advise that for anybody. Uh, if you're unsure, man, get that nailed down and make sure you know about it because that is the most important decision of your entire life. There's no decision more important than that. But what I'm saying is uh, salvation is a one-time decision. You put your faith and trust in Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved for all of eternity. However, to the contrary of that, uh, surrendering your life to the Holy Spirit is not a one-time decision. It would be easy if it was. Man, it would be nice if, if when I got saved, that I automatically surrendered to the Holy Spirit for the rest of my life and uh, and I didn't have to worry about uh, living right and doing right. It would just automatically happen. But I can tell you this from experience and I can tell you from the Word of God, that doesn't happen. I mean, I wish it did. I really do. I mean, could you imagine Christianity if we just automatically did right and we didn't have to decide to do right in our life. But that's not, uh, that's not how God designed us. God designed us to be free will uh, so that we could choose. Uh, and he wants us, he desires us to choose to follow and obey God with our lives. And so that's how God has designed us and that's how God made us. And the Bible says in uh, Galatians 5.16, he says, This I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So now, after salvation, after we've been born again, after we know for sure that we've put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have these two two options in our life. A, we can live how we have always lived. And you can sin as a Christian. You know what? You can, you're, you're totally uh, able to commit sin. Now, you're not going to feel good about it. Uh, you know, your flesh will tempt you and, and, and you'll be tempted to be drawn away to sin. And, and if you're saved any length of time, you know that's true. We've all messed up in our life. Uh, but then there's the option B is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with our life and say, well, I don't, I don't want to sin. I don't want to live that old life. I want to have, as we talked about several weeks ago, a good, clean conscience before the Lord. And uh, and that's what we ought to do and that's what the Bible says. He says, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. He says here in our text in verse number 15, see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools but as wise. And so we ought to choose to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is a path of caution. Uh, And what's the caution that's issued there? Well, the word circumspectly means cautiously, with watchfulness every way, with attention to guard against surprise or danger. Uh, We talked about that on Wednesday night. On Wednesday nights, I'm going through the book of Proverbs, and and we talked about prudence and uh, and looking ahead down that road and saying, where is this path in life going to take me? Where is this friend in life going to take me? Where is this decision in my life going to take me? Looking down the road and saying, hey, what direction is this taking me in my life? And being prudent about that decision that we make. And the Bible would give us the same idea here in in verse number 15. See that ye then, or see then that ye walk circumspectly. Listen, we know that the days are evil. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you, You turn on the news. And, uh, and you watch it for the whole five minutes that you can stomach it or maybe ten minutes or however long that you can, uh, that you can watch it and, and you see that, man, what's announced? Well, it's problems, uh, deaths, uh, murder, uh, you know, thefts, rape, all the other bad things that are going on in the world. And then you're like, well, that was real encouraging, click. Glad I watched that. And, and, and listen, we know that we live in, a, a, in an evil day. We know that temptation exists on every side. We know that, uh, that, that there is a strong pull of the world to pull Christians away from the Lord and away from the Word of God. And so the Bible says here in this verse 15, see then that ye walk circumspectly. That would be uh, with with caution, watching with every step in our life that we go, every direction that we take in our life. You know, if you're walking down a a walking path, you know what? By and large, those walking paths, they're going to be smooth. They're going to be paved. You're not going to have to watch for potholes. You can be able to walk down the road and and not worry about uh, where you're going. You don't have to pay attention to your feet. But if you go for a walk in the woods, and I like to walk in the woods, I, I just like being out with nature. And if you go for a walk in the woods or, or climbing a hill or a mountain, you know what? That path is not smooth. Matter of fact, it's treacherous. You better watch for a log that's, that's, uh, that's uh, fallen over. And I, I remember hunting uh, when I was a teenager, and I grew up in upstate New York, and we kind of lived in swampy land area. And, uh, and, and during the winter, it was... Uh, it would, of course, snow, and uh, and so you'd go hunting and you'd walk out through there. If there was a fresh snow, uh, you would step on a swampy area, but it would be completely frozen over, and that ice would be like glass, and you all you see is snow. So you step down, and more than once, man, I went, whoop, boom, straight to the ground because it was slick underneath, and you had to be real careful about where you step. And, and as we go through our life... Listen, the, the, the day and age that we live in and the fact uh, we live in an evil day by nature itself means that we, we ought, we're not on a smooth walking path is what I'm saying. We are in a treacherous uh, path that we have constantly got to be on guard about the decisions that we're making in life. Let me say this, by the way, because sometimes we get to thinking, well, we live in a horrible day and age, and we do, don't get me wrong, I understand that. Uh, but listen... It's not any different than Noah's day. This is not something new. You remember Noah, uh, the Bible says that uh, mankind, God got so fed up with the wickedness that was in the world that he flooded the entire world. So it's not new to be, be surrounded by wickedness. I don't want us to get the mindset that woe is us that we live in such a bad day and age. We do live in a bad day and age, but it's not new. This has been going on since the beginning of time, since Noah's day, since uh, Paul's day. You think we live in a bad day. Uh, they were uh, they were killing Christians in Paul's day. Uh, they lived in a government that was terrible. And so what I'm saying is we do live in a wicked day. You do have to be aware of that. Uh, but listen, let's not uh, have the mindset, woe is me, man. I wish I lived back in uh, this day and age or that day and age. Uh, this is something that is... is is. Uh, going on for years, and we do need to be circumspect or cautious of those things. The Bible says in First um, Peter, uh, it says, um, well, let me turn back there and find it. I think it's chapter 5 and verse 8, if you want to flip back there, First Peter 5, 8, if I'm not mistaken. And as soon as I see the first couple words, I'll have it down. Yes, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And we need to understand that, hey, there is, uh, there is wickedness at work against Christians. And so it's a path of caution. And we need to, be, we need to have caution in our life. I could say a lot more about that. Uh, we'll stop there as far as the caution and, and, and the circumspectly. We need to be cautious about that. Uh, he says in, in verse number 15, redeeming the time, or verse number 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil, and certainly they are. But not only is it a path of caution, uh, it's a path of consecration. Look with me at verse number 17, Ephesians 5, 17. The Bible says, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is it's a path of consecration the spirit filled life is a is a path uh, it's a path of caution it's a path of consecration now everyone has dreams in their life now uh maybe you have uh, lived out your dreams and maybe all of the great things that that you wanted to accomplish maybe you got to get them done and and things of that nature and and uh, and that's that's good but you still have Uh, perhaps ideas and things that you would like to do. Uh, But listen, at the same time, I want us to understand and I want us to recognize God has, can I say it this way? I don't want to be disrespectful to God, but God has dreams for your life too. He has a desire. He has a will for your life. Look at what it says right here in verse number 17. Wherefore, be be ye not unwise, but unwise. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. God desires that every Christian would live for Him. We could go on, I could go through, I've, I've done it before, uh, many verses that show the will of the Lord. Uh, we'll just look at one this morning, and you don't have to turn there, but 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 and verse number 3 uh, states what is the will of God uh, for every Christian. And this is not individual. Sometimes God certainly has a different path for each person. uh, But what we're talking about generalization, this is what God desires for every single Christian. He says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification, and honor Now he said in those two verses, sanctification twice." What is sanctification? Well, sanctification is the same thing as consecration. Matter of fact, it's defined by consecration, the act of consecrating or setting apart for a sacred purpose. This is best illustrated uh, with an instrument. I was going to go grab my son's guitar over there. I, I'll, I'll leave it over there. But it's best represented with an instrument. Did you know you can take the piano or the guitar or, or some other instrument and you can sit, maybe you can't, I can't, I can tell you that, and, and somebody can sit down and they can play masterfully a wonderful song on that piano or on that guitar. And it would sound beautiful and you'd be like, man, that's wonderful. That's marvelous. And then somebody else could take and, and play a song that... Um, would still require a lot of skill. I'm not going to say it doesn't require skill, but it would probably upset you because music moves our emotions. And they could play music. We were watching a show the other night, and it was an old, old show. As a matter of fact, it was made in 1975. And as we were watching it, somebody, some, some people just said, That's not that old. <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> For television it was old okay Uh, I'm sorry I didn't mean to imply you're old but the show was old filming filming quality was not that good and uh, anyways we were watching that show and uh, and and I loved it and and they were kind it was a happy scene and the music was happy and then all of a sudden the bad guys came on and if you watch a movie and if you pay attention to this you'll know I mean it was dun 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 and it was like you I mean the whole vibe changed you just knew oh wait a minute, the bad guys just, these, these are bad guys. You knew it because the music changed the mood of the scene and made it show uh, that, hey, these were the bad guys. And, and that's one instrument that's played. And listen, it can make you happy or it can make you sad. And, and what the Bible is saying that as we are to be sanctified. In other words, uh, that instrument in and of itself, it just sits there. It doesn't do anything. But if you put it in the right hands, wonderful, godly music can be played from it. If you put it in somebody else's hands, worldly music can be played from it. And our life is much like that instrument. If we dedicate our life to the Lord and say, God, I'm an instrument and I want to be used by you today, then our life can reflect the Spirit of God. And that's the idea of sanctification, that our life would be set apart. I remember my, my dad, he played guitar my, uh, my whole life growing up, and, and, uh, and we, were at a, we were at a youth conference somewhere, and, and my dad had a 12-string guitar, and, and, uh, and he would play. And, and one of the teenagers that was there, uh, he, he picked it up. He said, hey, can I, can I play that? And my dad said, sure, go ahead. And so the teenager picked it up, and he started playing. And and then he started playing stuff that I grew up in a Christian home I had never heard before. And my dad stopped him. He said, hey, hey, wait, wait, wait a minute. He said, you need to know that guitar is sanctified. The teenager looked at him, puzzled. He didn't know what that meant. My dad said, that guitar is dedicated to the Lord. And all the songs that are going to be played on that guitar must be songs that would honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you think about our life in that way, uh, hey, listen, every single day our life, if I can say it this way, is playing out a tune for the entire world to hear. And if we're sanctified and if we're dedicated and we're separated to the Lord and we're walking in the Spirit as the Bible says, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And if we're in tune with God, then our life will put out a beautiful song that others can see and and admire. And and if we're not, then listen, we're going to fall in line with the rest of the world and how they live their life. And that's just the facts of what the Bible is saying here. He says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then he says, wherefore be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And God wants us to be sanctified. He wants our life to be consecrated. He wants our life to be set apart from the rest of the world and, and to live a godly life so we can see the path of the Spirit-filled life. It's a path of caution. It's a path of consecration. And we ought to dedicate ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to see the Spirit-filled purpose as well. Look with me at verse number 18. So the first one is the Spirit-filled path. Uh, the next one is the Spirit-filled purpose in verse number 18. Verse number 18 says this, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with with the Spirit. The Spirit-filled path of caution and consecration has a purpose. And you can be filled and controlled by the Spirit. In other words, if we decide, hey, I'm going to go down that path of, of caution and yet consecration where I separate myself for the Lord and I say, God, I want to serve you today and I want you to be in control, then the purpose then is going to be in verse number 18. uh, And and he clarifies that. It is a determined purpose. He gives an illustration in verse number 18. He says, and be not drunk with wine where is an excess. Now, uh, maybe you've never drank but you've probably been around uh, maybe somebody who has drank. Uh, in Peru, we, uh, it, was a, it was a regular problem. Uh, matter of fact, when I was in Peru, I was there for several years, and, and it wasn't until several years that I realized and I understood that it is, it is a ticketable offense in America to be drunk in public. I never knew that. Of course, I grew up in church my whole life, and I wasn't around it. Well, in Peru, they were drunk in public quite frequently. It was a regular occurrence, matter of fact. And, um, and oftentimes our church, our church had a, a, instead of a nice reception area and things like that, we had a garage door, and you opened up that garage door, and boom, there's your sanctuary. There's our church, and we didn't have a, a little reception area. I mean, it was, it was our church, and the back wall was the street, and, uh, and that was just the way it was there, and and so it was not uncommon for drunks to walk by while we were having service. It was not even uncommon for a drunk to wander into our church. Matter of fact, we had a guy posted at the back door, and, uh, and, he, and he, he did a phenomenal job, a much better job than myself. Uh, when a drunk would walk in, if, if they were not going to cause a problem, and if they sat down on the back row, we just left them. I fear If they're not bothering us, we're not going to bother them. Maybe the Lord Will will touch their heart. Maybe they'll remember some of the message. So we didn't bother them. But if a drunk was noisy and belligerent and causing problems, uh, then then he would uh, he was wonderful. He'd put his arm around him, and he would start talking to him, and he would turn him around and walk him down the street, walk him a block away, and he would turn around and come back. I don't know to this day how he did. He was really good at it. I was horrible. I mean, the time or two that I I dealt with him, uh, I got fired, and uh, and somebody else was took over for me because I just, I didn't know what I was doing, and they were just really good at it, and I didn't know what I was doing. And and so, uh, but what I'm saying is this, that that everybody knows, if if you've seen drunks or you've been around drunks by any stretch of the imagination, you know that's not a person. You know they are being controlled by the alcohol that is in them. It usually accentuates some kind of personality trait that they have, and, uh, and makes it uh, more outgoing. And the Bible gives us this illustration in verse number 18, and the, the determined purpose is so that, uh, that, that as alcohol controls a person, so the Spirit of God ought to control the believer. And He ought to take our life, and He ought to control us in our life. Now... Um, Alcohol, it will control you. And there is a stern warning given here in verse number 18 that we're not going to pass over. The Bible says, and be not drunk with wine. Uh, Vance Havner, an old preacher, said this. He said, I'm tired of hearing sin called sickness and alcoholism, a disease. It's the only disease I know of that we are spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year to spread. Think about that for a minute. If it's really a disease, why are we selling it? Why are we bottling it and selling diseases? And so the Bible gives us the, the truth of the matter that, hey, uh, that that we need to stay away from alcohol. Save your spot here in Ephesians. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 23. We'll not spend a lot of time here, but I believe you need to see this in the word of God with your own two eyes. Proverbs chapter number 23 in verse number 29, Proverbs 23, 29. The Bible is very clear about this. Proverbs chapter number 23 in verse number 29. And as you're turning there, we'll, we'll just spend a moment here. And, and I want you to see what the Bible says, because in the New Testament it says, be not drunk with wine, whereas in excess. So we need to be very careful about that. But in Proverbs 23 in verse number 29, he gives us a very stern warning. He says in verse number 29... Who hath woe? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness? He's asking a series of questions in verse 29, and he's about to give us the answer to those those questions. But all those questions are very relative. Who hath woes? That would be problems. That would be troubles. Who hath uh, sorrow? In other words, sadness and, and difficulty. Who hath contentions? That would be fightings. Uh, who hath babblings? Uh, that's obvious what that is. It's, it's talking without sense. Who hath wounds without cause? In other words, uh, they have... And they, have, uh, they wake up with a black eye and they don't know how they got it or uh, with cuts on their body and they're unsure of where they came from. Uh, and who hath redness of eyes? And he gives the answer in verse number 30. They that tarry long at the wine. They that go to seek mixed wine. Verse 31. Look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it giveth his color in the cup when it moveth itself aright, verse 32, at the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Verse 33, Thine eyes shall behold strange woman, and thine heart shall utter perverse things. Yea, thou shalt be as as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. They have stricken me, shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. Uh, when, I, when shall I awake? I will seek it yet again. There's, there's what the Bible says. I especially like verse 32, and I underlined it in my Bible. At the last, it biteth like a serpent, and it stingeth like an adder. And I've told people, and I'll tell people for years uh, to come, uh, what do you recommend about alcohol? You know what I recommend about alcohol? I recommend you you stay as far away from it as you stay away from a serpent and a adder. Because it will bite you. It will hurt you. Why would we want to entertain that? Why would we we want to, uh, to say, well, it's my Christian liberty? Listen, uh, the Bible is very clear. It will harm you. I've talked to many people and I... I I do thank the Lord that I've grown up in church. I I remember talking to one fellow, though, he did not grow up in church, and he did grow up a drunk, and, and he said this. He told me this. He got saved, and his life was changed. He said, yeah, your friends all tell you to take the first drink. He said, but after that, the alcohol tells you to take the next drink, and the alcohol tells you to take the following drink, and it will destroy your life because it controls you. And so I just want to issue a warning. Uh, The message is not about alcohol this morning, but the verse does very clearly say that in Ephesians chapter 5, back at our text, he says, Be not drunk with wine. And the way to stay away from being drunk with wine is just don't touch it. You don't touch it, you won't have to define where is drunkness and where is not drunkness. Just stay away from it uh, because it will harm you. And so the Bible gives us that warning in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And as I said, just like alcohol modifies that person and controls that person, he's using that illustration so that we understand, hey, that the Holy Spirit of God ought to control our life. And that's so important. I'm not not an outgoing person by nature. I'm just not. Um, But you know what? After years of being in ministry and years of being saved and years of being a a Christian, you know what I found? That, That I can go up and I can talk to people, not because I'm an outgoing person, because I want to give them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and Shane Rice can't do it. Shane Rice is shaking in his boots, if you know the truth. But the Spirit of God says, hey, you need to, you need to tell those people about the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to witness to those people. And there's a control in my life that that we yield ourselves to. We talked a little bit about that last week in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 13. He says, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. We need to yield our life to God on a daily basis. We used to sing this song in junior church. I don't know if they sing it here or not. And, and, uh, and it was kind of a fun song, to be honest with you. Most, most of the uh, kids' songs are fun. And then we grow up and we get in a church and we kind of get uh, more mature and we don't laugh and have as much fun. But, uh, but, but we still all like those songs, to be honest with you. And, and, and we used to sing this song and it was, um, it was uh, I've got this tongue I can't control. And we stick it out and shake it out. And we sing the next verse. I've got these hands, I can't control. And we got, we sing, shake them. And we got, I got these feet, I can't control. But the end of each verse is, so I give it to you, my Lord. And I ask you to help me control my tongue. Help you to help me to control my hands. Help me control my feet. That's exactly what the Bible is talking about in Romans chapter six that we read, uh, that, that I quoted there. In verse number 13, that we would yield our hands as instruments of righteousness to God. That we would yield our tongue as an instrument of righteousness to God. That we would yield our eyes, that we would yield our ears, that we would yield our feet, that we would yield our entire body to the Lord Jesus Christ and say, God, I am yours. I want you to control me. If I'm left to myself, I will cause problems. But with your help, I can do something better. And ask God to help you. And yield, that's the key, yourself to the Spirit of God. Not only can we see the Spirit-filled purpose, and that is the purpose, that our life could be used of God, but I want you to see the Spirit-filled product. Look with me at verses 19 through 21. He says in verse 19, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Music is so important. But man, the Spirit of God just gives you joy. He just does. He puts a song in your heart. And if you allow God to have control of your life, listen, that is a key to joy. I've got so much uh, stuff here that we could talk about uh, you think about Paul and Silas you remember when they were beaten and thrown to prison and at midnight take take note they were beaten and they were thrown in prison and at midnight they started singing praises to God now if it was me and maybe if it was you I'll go out on a limb maybe you're better than me but if it was me man, I'd be in a pity party wallowing saying Man, Lord, I'm just trying to serve you. And look, now I'm here in prison. I'm tied up and I can't even get out. And I don't know. You know what they did? They started singing songs of joy to the Lord. That's the, that is the product of a spirit-filled life. Not only that, but gratitude in verse number 20, giving thanks always for all things unto God, where we live in an ungrateful society. Listen, Thanksgiving is not just a day that we celebrate in November. It ought to be every day for the Christian. We can thank the Lord for His blessings in our life. And then verse 21, he talks about submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That's the product of cooperation and working together. You know, if every Christian is saved and they're walking in step with the Lord you know what's going to happen is all, they're all going to be walking in step. And, and we're all going to have good cooperation together. Why? Because we're following the Lord. And we're going to walk in step with Him. And so there will be that spirit of unity and cooperation. Those are products of a spirit-filled life. So uh, we have the path, we have the um, purpose, and then we have the product. Uh, of what the spirit-filled life looks like. So I hope that's a blessing to you as we stand to our feet and our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning of a short hymn of invitation. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity that we have to gather in your house around your word. God, I pray that you'd help us to be yielded, submitted to you in our life. And, God, that we would walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Help us to yield ourselves to you. And God, if there's one here that does not know you as their personal Savior, God, may they get it nailed down today. And not to put it off. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, just a short hymn of invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Notation.